0: You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Patriots, assemble. We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here, it is hard line. Let's go. Power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the, the people. people. of the show let's get started greetings and good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there i am jason your co-host with our sovereign lord and savior christ jesus at our side because he is the host with the most and the most high he is in charge he is at the captain's chair he's at the helm and behind the wheel therefore he is steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life so welcome to his heart line Today is Wednesday, December 6, 2023, and you are listening to episode 645, and we'll be doing a reading out of Matthew chapter 3, and today's show title is called Republic versus Corporation. For my daily disclaimer, please be advised that I'm not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, biblical scholar, or bar lawyer. I don't possess any titles of nobility or offer legal advice, and while I am a member of the Michigan General General Assembly in good lawful standing, I am not the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assembly. I do not endorse or advocate for violence, and please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this show are are solely my own and for educational and entertainment purposes unless otherwise referenced. So there you go to all the Karens and Derrens. Now, I want to thank you all for joining us today on this broadcast. And if you find extreme value in what we offer here and take away solid information as well as a positive message from this platform, hit that subscribe button and share this show with your friends, family, and colleagues, would you? And I also want to encourage you to subscribe to our social media and share our content. You can find all of these websites and resources at our website, www.hisheartline.com. All right. So I hope everybody's having a good day today. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. So what does it mean to be someone of integrity? What does it mean to be a man or woman? And when I say a woman, I mean a real woman, not one of those fake women that, you know, sports illustrates, you know, illustrated likes to try to tout and put a transgender on there. But, you know, either way, what does it mean to be someone of integrity? What does it mean to possess genuine and authentic intent? Are you capable of acknowledging your own wrongdoing while embracing uh, the opportunity to correct and improve yourself? These are very important questions. Do you do your beliefs align? Do your beliefs align consistently with your actions? See, it's evident that none of us lead perfect lives. That's no state secret. But the real question is, can you recognize your past sins and wrongdoing and muster up the courage to seek repentance from, you know, God, our Heavenly Father? Are you able to do that? Because that's a very tough question to answer if you really think about it for most people, not everybody, but for most people, generally speaking. See, these questions, they pose a challenging internal struggle because inherently in man. No one desires to be wrong and no one wants to look flawed before others, right? Nobody wants to look flawed. Call it the human condition, I don't know, or maybe the perpetual need to maintain a positive uh, image among our peers and within our you know, close circles. But at the core of it all, people find it seemingly very difficult to admit their faults, thereby struggling to hold themselves accountable when life takes a sour turn. And often when outcomes aren't favorable, people unknowingly attempt to defend themselves and they try to shift responsibility somewhere else. They try to pass the buck. The challenge in accepting accountability and responsibility stems, I think, from a very complex blend of psychological, uh, societal and emotional factors all blended together in one big bucket. Because first, it involves confronting the fear of judgment and consequences. Right. Nobody wants to feel judged and nobody likes dealing with negative consequences. I mean, who really likes to suffer a negative consequence due to an action or a misstep on their behalf? Nobody, nobody likes that. And admitting fault might lead to negative repercussions or alter others' perceptions of us, right? Therefore, it instigates um, it instigates a fear of social isolation or rejection, right? And this can typically dissuade people from owning up to their mistakes and taking responsibility. Additionally, you got societal expectations and cultural norms, which, I mean, let's face it, often emphasize success and projects, you know, projecting an image of flawlessness and clash with the act of admitting mistakes, right? Like this is why social media is such a, just, uh. This is why social media just needs to go away because all it does is project a cover. It's a fake front and it hides the real life of real men and women. We're in this society where people like to be liked. They want views. They want to be admired. They want to be famous. They want to be the next, you know, sensational, uh, what do they call them? Um, The word's fleeting me right now. Um, What do you call them? Influencer. There we go. I, I was struggling to find that word. We live in a society where everybody wants to be viewed as perfect. Or they want to portray their life as perfect and flawless and they do no wrong and they do they go on great vacations and they have the perfect family in the white picket fence and they have the true american dream but the thing is is this clash creates a pressure to maintain an appearance of competence and infallibility making it hard to openly acknowledge our own faults See, psychologically, men and women tend to resort to defense mechanisms when we are faced with threats to our own self-image, because we do things like, you know, we, we, we divert to things like, uh, denial, right? Um, we tend to rationalize why we do things, whether if it's right or wrong. And, and then a lot of times most people, not again, and this is not everybody, but most people will typically try to shift blame. So it kind of serves as like a protective shield for their own ego against the discomfort of admitting their own shortcomings. But however, admitting fault and owning up to your mistakes, that honestly, in my opinion, demonstrates remarkable character and a strong moral compass. This is why I say when I come onto this show, there is never going to be pride or ego that ever is attached to me. Cause I threw that in the trash can a long time ago. There is no room for it. There is no room for it in the assembly. There's no room for it in my own personal life. Therefore, there is no room for it, period. Personal ego and pride often obstruct accountability in a lot of people's lives. In admitting my fault, again, admitting fault may, excuse me, not my fault, but admitting fault may feel like a blow to your own self-esteem. And sometimes it can prompt avoidance in a lot of cases. And it requires embracing, I don't know, things like humility and self-awareness, right? Qualities that may, you know, that many find challenging to adopt. But this is, again, why I stress the importance of excluding ego-driven and prideful-driven individuals from our general general assemblies. Why? Because if you have self-serving people who all they want to do is promote themselves within their peers and their circles and gain notoriety. All you're doing is replicating what the DC swamp became. So, I mean, overall, what I want to say here on this is the reluctance to accept accountability and responsibility results from a complex interplay of societal pressures and fear of judgment and psychological defense mechanisms and, and the preservation of one's self-image and ego, right? And addressing these factors demands a deliberate effort to prioritize growth, humility, and honesty over the fear of appearing flawed. Now, as we're gonna read in Matthew chapter 3, we observe John the Baptist urging people to introspect and repent for their sins and their wrongdoings. And he emphasizes the cleansing of the mind and soul through baptism for a genuine internal transformation, preparing for the arrival of Jesus the Messiah. But in order to do that, you have to look inward and recognize where you are flawed so you can genuinely repent and ask God for that forgiveness. Now, before we get into the reading, Matthew chapter 3, there is an audio piece that I wanted to play real quick. Let me just get onto my phone here. My wife shared this with me and i felt the need to share it with all of you give this a listen can you imagine jesus dropping the cross i've had enough if you people didn't change by now you'll never change i've done nothing but good you have broke my heart and broke my trust time and time again and even if you say i'm sorry how do i know you won't still do it i'm done with you i've had enough Every one of us in this room has felt like that and talked like that and treated one another like that. And we can't even imagine Jesus doing that. But the reason he does what he does is to set the example to become what he is. He doesn't just want to lavish you in love. He wants to transform you in love. That's right. He wants to transform you in love. And that's why he says in the in matthew i believe it's in the book of matthew when he was asked what's the most important law that we need to follow and he said love your god with all your heart your mind and your soul and the second one is just like it love your neighbor just the same you can be transformed with love but you have to again look within you and understand what your wrongdoings are and you you need also need to give yourself grace too that's really important because while you Admit and take responsibility and ownership of your own baggage, if you will. You also have to allow yourself a certain level of grace and kind of forgive yourself as well as forgive others. Again, allow Jesus to transform you with love. Now, before I get into the reading further, yeah, I did. I was just like scrolling through the Gateway Pundit out of curiosity because I, I rarely I rarely look through uh, news articles anymore these days. Um, but I'm like looking here. I see we got a headline here. It says breaking former speaker Kevin McCarthy announces retirement at the end of the year. Very interesting because that's just yet another person in Congress that's quote unquote retiring. Right. It seems like these people are dropping like flies. It's very, very interesting to see unfold. And I have a funny feeling we're going to see many more retirements. We're going to see many more people, quote unquote, pass away. We're going to see many people fade away. Which, by the way, has anybody seen Bernie Sanders lately? Where's he at? Where is Bernie Sanders? Where is Bernie Sanders? I mean, supposedly he's still a senator, apparently. He's been a senator since, what, 2007? All the way to present day? Where is he at? Nobody has heard from him. Where's the Bernie Sanders? Feel the burn. Where is he at? I haven't seen him. Nobody has seen him. Where is he at? Just wondering. What else we got here? Um, uh, this breaks my heart. Mass shooting at the University of Las Vegas campus. Multiple victims. Student ordered. What, what's going on here? Student ordered uh, to run and hide. Run, hide, and fight. Yes. Yeah, and suspect is deceased. We'll have to keep our prayers up for those that are involved over there. Uh, what else we got here? What do we got here? What do we got here? Dr. Peter McCullough urges preparedness on news of Chinese pneumonia outbreak. Oh, come on. They're just trying to spark more fear to get another pandemic to go, you know, so they can mess with the elections. That's all they're trying to do. It's the same playbook that they're trying to do, and it's not going to work. In fact, these people that are dealing with Chinese pneumonia outbreak is probably people dealing with the consequences and, you know, symptoms of that clot shot. What else do we got here on the headlines? Fulton County prosecutors put Mike Pence on witness list to testify against Trump Enrico case. Okay. Uh, Let's see. What do we got here? The Rock post video of visit to Pentagon and shares his working on a special task. What is The Rock doing at the Pentagon? He's not even in the military. Seriously, what is he even doing at the Pentagon? I mean, they won't even let Biden in the Pentagon. You think they're really going to let Dwayne the Rock Johnson in the Pentagon? Please, he's another elitist scumbag that probably, you know, drinks children's blood. I mean, seriously, what's he even doing over there? Because I call BS on that. Uh, let's keep scrolling down. What else we got here? Um, ooh, this is sick. This is a headline here. It says sick Democrat. Pennsylvania school board president sworn on a stack of books that includes sexually explicit material depicting naked teenage boys. That is sick. Uh, here's another one. Socialist AOC claims women athletes will be subjected to genital examinations. If biological men are prohibited from playing women's sports. Well, that's not very woke of AOC. My Lord, where is our world going at? Where where is our world coming to? Seriously. Okay. Um, Oh, this is interesting video. Mayor suddenly collapses while giving a press conference on live TV. Who is this? What mayor is this? The mayor of Montreal suddenly collapsed while giving a press conference on live TV at City Hall Tuesday morning, raising concerns about her health. That's not good. I wonder if she got the clot shot. Jason, that's not very funny. You shouldn't be saying that. Well, it's a question that I would ask because you see a lot of these news anchors and different people and celebrities and sports athletes just suddenly dying. Uh, What else we got here? That's stupid. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just reading right here on the fly. satanic holiday display spotted inside iowa's capital there you go iowa congratulations anyway but yeah these are just some of the headlines um just man just our world is so jacked up our world is so jacked up um okay i think i've had enough scrolling through these crappy headlines it's just nothing but noise and distractions as usual but every once in a while i like to get into it and just kind of see what's there okay Let's get into the reading. Matthew chapter three. Now what we're going to be reading again, like I was mentioning in the opening of the show, talking about how John the Baptist prepares the way for the Messiah, you know, coming of the Messiah. So starting with chapter three, verse one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea in saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw how many people or excuse me, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, broad of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to say to yourselves we have abraham as our father for i say to you that god is able to raise up children to abraham from these stones and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire indeed I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then we get into the baptism of Jesus by John. So starting with verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to me, or excuse me, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him and suddenly a voice came from the heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And that is the reading of Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 through 17. This chapter um This chapter presents John, the Baptist here, presents John's role in preparing the way for Jesus here is what we read. And John's emphasis on repentance was very pivotal, just like what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, because he called for a change of heart and action, urging people to turn away from their sins and prepare for the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. Now his baptism symbolized a cleansing a readiness to receive the coming Messiah and to live in alignment with God's will. Now, this act wasn't just some ritual, but it was a profound spiritual transformation signifying a commitment to a new way of life, right? In anticipation of the imminent arrival of God's kingdom through Jesus Christ. Now John's message stressed the need for genuine interchange and a readiness to embrace God, his you know divine foreshadowing, the transformative nature of Jesus's teachings and the kingdom that he preached, and so John's message went beyond external symbols and, and religious affiliations, and so he basically emphasized that true repentance wasn't merely a matter of lineage or being a part of some religious group of sorts, right? But instead, he stressed the importance of a genuine change within oneself, which would be the transformation of heart, mind, and action. Let me repeat that. He stressed the importance of a genuine change within oneself, which is, again, a transformation of the heart, mind, and actions. Now, John's call for repentance focused on inner sincerity and authenticity, Again, it wasn't about relying on one's heritage or some surface level adherence to religious practices, but instead he urged people to, you know, inwardly look in themselves, right? Acknowledge their shortcomings and actively change their behavior. That's what he urged them because this genuine transformation would be essential to be spiritually prepared for the arrival of the kingdom of heaven you have to do that that's why i always tell you ladies and gentlemen ask jesus christ to be in your heart it is so vitally important so in essence you know john's message challenged the notion that religious status or lineage alone could secure a place in god's kingdom right and that's not how that works and never has it never will be either Just like some religions believe that the more money you donate, the higher favor you will have with God and, you know, you will secure your place in heaven. That's, again, not how that works because there's no amount of money in the world that can buy you a place in the heavenly realm. That's, again, not to be true. And he emphasized the significance of personal responsibility. A sincere change in attitude and conduct and a readiness to embrace the teachings and values of the coming Messiah, Jesus, would bring. And it was about a profound, again, inner renewal rather than a superficial adherence to outward customs or traditions. And so John wanted to help people change on the inside, not just follow the rules on the outside. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't focus on just doing religious things or follow traditions. It wasn't about that. He genuinely, truly cared about people and hoping and helping to hope, you know, hoping to help them truly change the way they thought and acted. And so, despite his own significance, you know, he recognized Jesus as greater. And when he baptized Jesus, which was a remarkable event that unfolded before them. As we read, Jesus emerged from the water, and the heavens opened up, and the Spirit descended like a dove, and God's voice proclaimed, Jesus as his beloved Son, expressing pleasure in him. And so this moment was very profound, because it underlined the importance of repentance as it marked the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And the divine affirmation confirmed Jesus' identity as the Son of God and signaled the commencement of his mission on earth. God basically set the tone going forward. This is my son, and this is where my ministry, where his ministry starts, is right here. And it was a powerful moment that signified the unity of the Holy Spirit, the divine approval of Jesus, and the imminent impact of his teachings and purpose. Now, this is typically the part where I would typically take a break But I'm going to continue to press forward, but give me a second. I'm going to take a couple swigs of water. All right. So, a republic versus a corporation. A republic versus a corporation. Now, the information that I'm getting, what I'm going to go over today, is off of USA versus US.info. USA. VSUS.info is how it's spelled. USAVSUS.info. So <clears throat> let's start with the Republic. It is the original. It is what we should have always had, and that's what we need to go back to. That's why the assembly of states, the reassembly of states, is taking place. A republic is a union of several states that states united, states in Congress assembled, and these United States of America, some other titles would be the United States of America or the United States, again, with just one capital U and one capital S, not all capitalized like the corporation is. And it all started with the Declaration of Independence in 1776 and the Articles of Confederation in 1778 and the Constitution in 1787. And if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty, the Fundamental Orders of 1638. And initially the land was British colonized and it then separated into independent free states. Which on July 4th, 1770, 70, excuse me, 1776 became Sovereign States United. Now, a republic having its beginning with a uh, colonial resistance against England's tyrannical government, government, major opposition against British control began with the Stamp Act, which established by British Parliament on March 22nd of 1765. And then you had taxation without representation, followed by the uh, Declaratory Act, And then the Basta Massacre of 1770. And then you had the Tea Act passed by Parliament of May 10th, 1773 to save the East Indian Company from bankruptcy. And then you had resistance that continued with the Quartering Act established by Parliament on June 2nd, 1774, which required American colonists to provide shelter to British troops and horses when requested. And then from September 5th, To October 25th of 1774, we had 12 colonies. All but Georgia sent 56 delegates to Philadelphia to participate in the First Continental Congress. And the purpose of the First Continental Congress was to debate and plan a unified response to British policy and actions. And this is exactly why we have to reassemble our assembly, our continental congress, okay? And why we need again, this is why this is where we would be able to flex our muscles when we get 3 quarters of our states, which is 38 states by the way, ladies and gentlemen. We can send our delegates to one centralized area again to debate and plan a unified response against the cabal which is still part of the british nonsense. And I'm not saying anything about Britain, but I'm just saying the cabal, the royals, right? The Vatican and Vatican City, and of course, D.C. This is the only way that we'll be able to flex our muscles to finally do the people's work and get rid of all these scumbags once and for all. That's why we have to reassemble our states, ladies and gentlemen. And then, so continuing down on this, Description here. So then you had March 25th of 1775, where Patrick Henry delivered his give me liberty or give me death speech to the Virginia assembly in Richmond. And then, of course, various conflicts took place and then, you know, blood continued to be shed. And then when you got to May 10th of 1775, the second Continental Congress convened in Philadelphia and then delegates from all 13 colonies were present at that point. And after signing the Declaration of Independence in 1776. And winning the Revolutionary War, which ended the Paris Peace Treaty signed on September 3rd of 1783, all American colonists at that point became free. They became sovereign people, endowed with the same rights that the King of England had. This is what we're getting back to, ladies and gentlemen. We need to become free again. We need to become. Sovereign again, and we are sovereign. We just need to declare it and take it back. And then you also have the Treaty of Paris in September of 1783. Now, King George parted with the Northwest Territory, which was unsettled and not yet colonized. And the Northwest Ordinance was set in place in July of 1787 to govern the territory until such a time the territory became states united with the Initial 13. See, at the Revolution, the sovereignty devolved on the people. And they are truly the sovereigns of the country. But they are sovereigns without subjects and have none to govern but themselves. Now, what I'm reading here, by the way, is a quote, and I'm gonna start from the top again, just so you know what I'm reading. It's a quote from uh, the Supreme Court of the United States, which took place February of 1794, the Chisholm Chisholm versus Georgia by Chief Justice John Jay. So again, I'm gonna read this from the top. At the revolution, the sovereignty devolved on the people and they are truly the sovereigns of the country, but they are sovereigns without subjects and have none to govern but themselves. The citizens of America are equal as fellow citizens and as joint tenants in the sovereignty. Sovereignty is the right to govern. A nation or state sovereign is the person or persons in whom that resides. In Europe, the sovereignty is generally ascribed to the prince. Here, it rests with the people. There, the sovereign actually administers the government. Here, never in a single instance, our governors are agents of the people, and at most stand in the same relation to their sovereign, in which regents in Europe stand to their sovereigns. And their princes have personal powers, dignities, and preeminences, and our rulers have none but official, nor do they partake in the sovereignty otherwise or in any other capacity than as private citizens. Again, that was Chisholm versus Georgia by Chief Justice John Jay. And there were four organic written laws of the 50 United States or I should say the 50 states united. And those four organic written laws would be the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, the Constitution, and the Northwest Ordinance. See, these organic laws are also found in the United States Code, Volume 1, which is also in Wikipedia, and you could search for organic laws. Again, this is, again, about having a de jure form of government, which is of right, legitimate, lawful, by right, and just title by law. And again, this is according to Black's Law Dictionary, 6th edition. I'm just looking here at something. And then, of course, like I said, then you got, hold on a second. Messing myself up here for a second, guys. Hold on a second. I just need to look something up. Come on, Internet. I don't have all day. There we go. Oh, I tell you, maybe I should invest in a little bit better Internet. Hmm. 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 Why do I keep thinking I'm having like a deja vu moment in here? Anyway. Hmm. So, anyway, but, um, You know, but again, with the corporation, you know, that was all started with the, you know, the Gettysburg Address in 1864 and the incorporation of the District of Columbia by President, you know, by by Presidential Legislative Act of February 21st of 1871, which ended up being, you know, which ended up coming about the, or, you know, the, uh, what do you want to call it? The um, Organic Act of 1871. And again, a corporation with a legislature was established with all the, you know, with the, with all the apparatus of a distinct government, again, created and incorporated by presidential legislative act. Again, February of 1871, February 21st, and they have corporate officers. So I'm going to scroll down a little bit here because again, the Republic, it was created by sovereigns, right? The corporation were created by merchants and bankers and and all that, right? See, the, the Republic had what's called the Constitution for the United States of America. And I did a show on this previously, which I might go back and replay one of these days, but the Republic, the Constitution is actually supposed to say for the United States of America. The corporation changed it to constitution of the United States, and of course, omitted of America, of course. See, the constitution for the United States of America is now known or referred to as the organic constitution. And this constitution established a central government with limited powers to do the will of the people. And its purpose was to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. But see, the constitution of the United States, they call it the original organic constitution, and it was adopted by the corporation as its bylaws, and the original 13th Amendment was replaced along with other amendments, or excuse me, and other amendments were added, and some of them by fraud. Like for example, the 14th Amendment, that wasn't ratified, but that was done by the corporation. That was uh, a Utah Supreme Court case, Dwight V. Turner. The 16th amendment was also not ratified by the states and documented research in, in the law that never was by Bill Benson and Red Beckman. Again, the 16th amendment was never ratified by the states, but yet we still have it. Why? How? I just lost my spot. Hold on a second, guys. Boy, I'm really batting a thousand today. Hold on, just closed out the windows that I the window that I needed. My lord, I tell you, it's been a long day today, guys. Just FYI, so bear with me. But again, back to a republic. The Constitution is not an instrument for the government to restrain the people. You need to remember the Constitution is an instrument for the people to restrain the government. That was a quote by Patrick Henry. The Constitution is not an instrument for the government to restrain the people. It is an instrument for the people to restrain the government. That's why it cracks me up when you get so many people out there, civilians, just people that are not even in office saying, oh, you're stepping on my constitutional right. You don't have constitutional rights if you don't work for the damn government. What The hell are you talking about? You don't have a constitutional right unless you work for the freaking government. Do you hold office? Are you a Supreme court justice? Are you a delegate? Are you the president? Cause if not, guess what? You don't have a constitutional right. Shut your mouth. Oh, it just drives me nuts when people say that, but they're so ignorant. It's just like you hear so many people. Oh, this is a threat to our democracy. Okay. Which that is again, a corporate thing. Because the corporation, they emphasize democracy, which is, let's face it, the next thing to socialism, which is another form of communism. It's basically communism light. You want to learn more about communism? Why don't you go read the communist manifesto? You can find it on USA versus US.info. scroll down to the middle of the page. On the right side, you'll see a little section that says democracy. Underneath that, there'll be there'll be a thing called the Communist Manifesto. Just click on that. You'll find it very quickly. But a republic is free from things public. And and there's a Latin phrase called libera res publica, free from things public. That's why when we pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, Remember that we all used to have to say that in school at least I did see republic uh, that's where the for, the word republican comes from a republic means common rights or I should say republican means common rights form of government it's a government of the people and by the people democracy is basically priest rule. Jason, what? Yeah, priest rule, like a priest at a church, priest rule. Because a democracy under the corporation, a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the voters discover that they can vote themselves generous gifts from you know, the public treasury, And from that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury, of course. You know, with the results uh, that a democracy always collapses over loose fiscal policy and always followed by a dictatorship. And the average age of the world's greatest civilizations from beginning of history has been about 200 years. And during those 200 years, these nations always progress through the following sequence, from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, and then from courage to liberty, and then from liberty to abundance, abundance to selfishness, and from selfishness to complacency, and then from complacency to apathy, and from apathy to dependency, and then dependency back again to bondage. Yeah, and you can thank, um Alexander Frazier titler. That is known as the titler cycle. Look it up. But again, a republic is a self-governing forum where a free, sovereign, moral, and enlightened people guarantee to one another. Notice I said guarantee one another, right? You're, you're, you're working with one another, so you're guaranteeing to one another and to all minorities the right an obligation to have retain and protect each other's god-given common rights to life, freedom, liberty and the pursuit of happiness in their separate capacities as free inhabitants and or as free sovereign people within a nation state or nation state and or country all by positively accepting the oaths as recipients of their oath of their servants holding public office again the people created a republican form of government with limitations on their servants that's why the constitution is there ladies and gentlemen remember the people are the government not their servants the people are the government that's the largest form of government that's why there's five branches of government not three five because your largest form of government is the people the people in general assembly then you have your Common law grand juries. That serves as a referee between the people and the lower three branches of government. Because if the lower three branches of government try to overstep their power and step out of their lane and try to, again, overreach and abuse their power on we the people, well, guess what? Then that's when the common law grand jury steps into play and said, okay time to indict some people and we are going to have ourselves a jury. We're going to have ourselves some court. We're going to, we're going to figure this out and see what's going on. And we're going to probably imprison some people, depending if we find them guilty. Again, article four, section four in the constitution shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. What does that even look like? Ladies and gentlemen, what is a Republican form of government? See, all you know is what a corporation looks like. Jason, but we do have a Republican form of government, do we? What does that look like? Because I just hear all these stupid fools on TV saying, well, this is a threat to our democracy. Which, by the way, Trump was on True Social on his uh, page. Commander-in-Chief Donald John Trump, by the way. He posted basically trolling them using reverse psychology saying, Joe Biden is a threat to our democracy. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> Joe Biden is a threat to our democracy. That's about right. I love I love his trolling posts. They're great. But again, shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. Again, Article 4, Section 4, get familiar with it. Read it. You want to know how you can explain democracy, which is again, under the corporate structure. Democracy can be explained as two wolves and a lamb voting on what have, what to have for dinner. So you basically have a political system calculated to make an intelligent minority subject to the will of the stupid. That's right. It's mob rule. It's a mob rule form of government giving the impression of representation and rule by its citizens, which again are servants in the government. But today, if one follows the paper trail, one will come to believe that it is ruled by Crown of England or the Crown Templar and the Vatican and together pulling the strings in Washington, D.C., as well as utilizing the mob rule principle and some believe that the roman pope is in control which i've always believed but of course it's actually the unseen behind the scenes black pope who is the one in power of this big corporate structure the one that most people never hear about or even know exist literally it's like the wizard the, the guy behind the curtain controlling the wizard Right with smoke and mirrors and fire and illusions. The other pulp is just a figurehead for the people to see and relate with. See, James Madison, back to a republic, James Madison, who was our fourth president, And he was also known as the father of our constitution made the following statement. And this is what he said. And I quote, we have staked the whole of all our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves and to sustain ourselves. According to the 10 commandments of God. Let me reread that. That was beautifully said. We have staked the whole of all our political institutions, upon the capacity of mankind for self-government. That's why we reassemble, ladies and gentlemen, and upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, and to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. That's supposed to be part of our republic. And then Patrick Henry also said the Constitution is not an instrument, again, for the government to restrain the people. It's an instrument for the people to restrain the government. Don't you forget it. And while we're talking about the Constitution, let's not forget about the Tenth Amendment, which clearly states the power is not delegated. To the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Again, states' rights or the people in that state, that free and independent nation equal state. And that was ratified December 15th, of 1791. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys know full well. what the difference of a republic versus a corporation is the corporation that was bankrupt by Donald John Trump i believe it was what the fourth the fourth bankruptcy now see article 1 section 8 of the r- original constitution allowed the creation of certain federal areas A district for certain limited purposes and to uh, exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 square miles, as may by the session of particular states and the acceptance of Congress become the seat of government of the United States and to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards and other needful buildings. See, it is very important to know that Congress has executive legislative power and authority only over certain specified areas purchased for certain reasons by consent of the state in which they lie. They are only area, they are the only areas whereby a democracy is allowed to exist. That is the only place that democracy can exist. Outside of those areas, guess what? Republican form of government is guaranteed. A Residence Act of 1790 established the actual location of the district. See, with the corporation, there are two entities known as the Crown. One is the King's Corporation, set up to do the King's business and protect the King of England from liability. And the other is the Knights Templar. Temple, a.k.a. Crown Templar, right? Secret Society, the Cabal. And those in power behind the scenes dress up their candidates for office, right? Their little corporate structure, their corporate stooges. They help them get elected and they control them from the background you know, while they're in office, right? And supposedly they give you, they supposedly give us a choice when both major political parties, Republican and, and Democrats, right? And all other parties, independents and green parties and whatever else, libertarians, Right, They give you this perception that you have a choice, but again, through their controlled major media, it's all used to control and direct public opinion. So you wonder who is really in control. Well, it's no wonder. It's not the people. This is why they say, this is why I say it's a selection, not an election. They select their people. They give us the illusion that we have free choice. We don't have free choice, come on. See, that's the corporation acting within their little bylaws and their little statutes and their codes. Democracy is the road to socialism. That was a quote by Karl Marx. And Plato postulated, stating, and I quote, dictatorship naturally arises out of democracy. Let me repeat that. Dictatorship naturally arises out of democracy. End quote. See, a pure republic allows the people the power of choice. True choice. Not an illusory, you know, illusionary choice. A real choice. And they they may retain their right to choose or waive it for what they believe is profitable or for gain. But sadly, the Republic had been hijacked by a certain group of usurpers. Again, just so we're clear, a Republican form of government is defined... As one in which the powers of sovereignty are vested in the people and are exercised by the people either directly or through representatives chosen by the people to whom those powers are specifically delegated, a democracy. Again, under the corporate structure is defined as that form of government in which the sovereign power resides in and is exercised by the whole body of free citizens directly or indirectly through a system of representatives. Again, both are definitions from the Black's Law Dictionary, uh, 6th edition. You can find that on page 695 for the Republican form of government uh, definition and page 432 for the definition of democracy. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before I get too further along, I should probably stop right there because I do have to get going. Which is why today is a recording. But I hope you guys want to continue learning more about this. I'm going to continue down this, um, I guess, educational segment, if you will, because people need to learn this. People need to hear it. And I feel like it can't be talked about enough because there's not enough people out there that's actually willing to take the time to read through this stuff. So I might as well continue to put it out there in audio format. Which is one of the reasons why I was thinking about giving myself a break for the rest of the year, going into the new year and revamping this show and going back to the original intent of why this show and why I started this show. Obviously, the original reason is because God pushed me to do it, but I want to truly get back to restructuring this show to where it is 100% beneficial from start to end with very little fluff in between. Because lately I've been feeling like I've been having mental roadblocks, kind of like an author gets writer's block, right? I feel like I have been kind of having mental roadblocks uh, when it comes to uh, creating content and and finding content to cover in the show. But then it just dawned on me and God kind of told me, Jason, why don't you just go back to educating the people, even if you have to go over the subject, certain subjects, two or three times over. It can't be overstated enough because people need to learn this kind of stuff. So that's exactly what we're going to do. So anyways, let's end this in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for this day thank you for the people. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for entrusting me behind this microphone to put out this information and to give me the honor and the privilege to put out your word and hopefully have people transformed um, by accepting your son in their heart so they can truly feel the love of transformation and what that actually looks like and how that feels, because it is a freeing feeling. And I thank you for doing that to me and for helping my marriage and being in my home, being in my marriage, being with my wife and in my daughter. Thank you for blessing us in every which way you can and have. And I thank you for the people that keep coming here. And Father, just keep guiding me. Keep guiding all of us as we continue to journey through this life. We can't do this without you. We will not do this without you. Therefore, we're always going to seek you for guidance and counsel as we proceed forward into this unknown future. So, Father, thank you so much for all that you do for us. And we pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. With that, I hope you all have a great day, great night, wherever you're at in the world. And remember, as it states in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, a knock and a door will be opened to you. And yes, that is text in red letter language that was spoken by Jesus. And here's another one for you that I also like to quote. Romans ten thirteen. everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't you forget it. Ask Jesus to be in your heart. Truly, ask Jesus to be in your heart. You won't be disappointed, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you back here next time. God bless. Remember, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, ladies and gentlemen. We are firm. We are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that lying they've crossed the line way too many times and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it we got to do this for god we got to do this for our families we got to do this for america for the voiceless it's time to get after ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining the show Us here at his hardline, we'll see, we'll you, see back you back here back next time. time.